New days, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Tune in semantic. Special dedication, all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Soothing semantic. Yeah, man, Big up, sir, man. Soothing semantic. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. Have you guys, have you been looking for luxury watches for quite some time or have contemplated doing so, but you don't really know who you can trust and where the best prices are? Look no further. Time for Luxury has got your back. Make sure to check out the site. Some of the watches they sell include Patek Philippe, Rolex, AP, Cartier, Hublot, Richard Mill, and many others as well. Make sure to check them out. You will be very, very glad you did. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, follow both of us on social media, leave your comments. And here we are. Today, we have Sarah Desemil on the, on the, on the podcast. She's a French-Canadian, and uh, she has a lot to share with us today. She uh, is a luxury realtor has uh, met with some very interesting people here in Miami. So uh, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the introduction, the French introduction. Bit difficult. Oh, my God. And I wanted to add a Haitian, too. Mm. I was going to actually mention that. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah, Haitian. A French-Canadian Haitian. You don't find a lot of uh, people like that in Miami. Well, I mean, the Haitian kind of goes with the French. They do, but the French Canadian, like they'll, you'll have Haitian people here, but not the Haitians from Canada, which are totally different. Yes, and and I the only the only thing I wish you did was bring my bring a hat for me, but it is what it is. I I, I don't have a mustache either. I mean, I don't have a nice like. If you have a pen, I can draw one for you. <laughs> <laughs> but but we have the one, so that's good. Mm. So, tell us a little bit about. Growing up in Canada, and what brought you to Miami and all that? Very good stuff. funny. Well, I grew up in Montreal, Canada. Uh, born and raised in Montreal, and um, been there my whole life. Did a regular, not a regular life, but you know, I went to school, got good grades, went to college. Um, initially, I wanted to be an attorney, mm-hmm. and changed my mind last minute after being accepted to law school and everything. Right. I freaked out, and I'm like, I don't want to be an attorney. I want to be a business person. I feel like no one starts out in real estate. Most people don't start out doing real estate. Yeah. They just end up realizing that that's a better option. For real estate? Yeah. I want to be an attorney. Like, initially, I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Like, you know, I'm going to make my parents happy. I don't know. I, I feel like Israeli people, you guys are very similar, and for, like, any type of immigrant, you know, you know, your parents, they want you to be a doctor, they want you to be a lawyer, they want you to to be an engineer or whatnot, and I wanted I wanted that too for, for them because they worked really hard. You know, my dad came from nothing, and he became, he, he did really well, but really literally came from nothing, and I wanted to make them happy, and I realized I didn't want to be an attorney. I realized that I've always been an entrepreneur, and... That was not French enough. How do I say it in English? Entrepreneur. Not an entrepreneur. <laughs> it, is a, it is a French word. I knew I wanted it, but I didn't know how, right? So, I mean, I was the one in high school. I don't know how old you are. I'm probably older than you. But I would go to the U.S., right? I would go to America on vacation, and I would come back with all the new new songs, and I would do CDs, and I would make people buy them. You made people buy them? CDs, you know? I I remember when CDs were like the biggest thing. It's it's crazy to think that CDs are completely out of the picture. And they were like a big deal. I would go back and I'd be like, hey, I came back from Miami and I have like all the new like Ja Rule and all the new, all the new like American music and I'm going to make those and I charge people $20 for each CD. Wow. And people would buy them. Like I always kind of, I always hustled. You know what I mean? I always had a thing where even when I was a kid, like eight, nine years old and I wanted to go to the theme park. My parents would pay for me to go to the theme park, but I'm like, I want to eat good food when I'm there. And I went to like garage sales. It took me a second. I literally thought you were saying theme park, theme, and then I theme realized park. theme park. Okay. Theme park. Okay. My bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're going to get used to the accent. I know. I'm trying. At one point. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I wanted to go there and just eat whatever I wanted instead of bringing a lunch, and I would do like mini garage sales. I would 
put whatever toys that or whatever. That's me. I did a garage sale once yeah. to get rid of all my shit, and I, I. Oh, we can curse. I, oh, you can curse as much as you want. <laughs> Everybody gets so excited when I say that. Everyone gets so excited when I say that. It's you have to be yourself. You have to be yourself, especially on the. Podcast. I probably would have cursed anyway, but. Okay. No, you're free. To, go, ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. It's not going to be beeped, bleeped out. Anyways, I've always been a that's why I just didn't know how I would use it in my life. I just knew I didn't want to be an attorney working eighty hours a week for other people. So, so you you started doing all these all these little sales when you were younger. I I actually was doing that too. I was selling. Really. I sold drinks like Gatorade and things like that. I would just buy it and upsell it in school. I did the the garage sale. I was selling headphones for a little bit. No way. Yeah, made a decent amount of money. I went to this what? store. I went to this grocery store. Yeah. It was called it's called Shoprite in New York. Okay, I know Shoprite. Uh, yeah. Like right, you guys have right eight too. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, you guys have right eight also. Yeah, right, right eight. So, so I went to uh, I, I went to the store. I bought like six dollar headphones. I sold them for twenty twenty five bucks. Awesome. And a bunch of people bought. A bunch of guys in school bought them. Uh-huh. One guy. Asked me, he's like, "How much are you buying them for?" I said, "Dude, I'm not telling you that. That's the whole point of this." So he ended up going to Shoprite and he saw them. and He said, "Oh, okay." I said, "Bro, this is what business is. Business is business, bro. Like, what do you want me to tell you?" Business. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like it's illegal. It's, it's what you do. You mark a product up. That's how you sell something. What do you want me to tell you? Take my CDs. People are like, "Aren't you paying like a dollar for that?" I'm like, "Mind your business." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "Do you have the songs from Miami?" I don't think you do. I have them on my Napster. Napster. Remember LimeWire Kazaa back in the day. LimeWire. Do you have LimeWire for downloading? I had LimeWire. I had Kazaa. I had everything. I remember LimeWire. Yeah, that was funny. Okay, so you're around my age. How old are you? I'm 28. Almost. Oh God, I'm 28 okay, this month. Like A little bit younger. No. You don't know, so you're you're 29. No. <laughs> uh, no. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So so you. We're, we're doing all of these this illegal sales, okay? They're not Sell, illegal. They selling illegal. I'm very sarcastic. <laughs> so, so you switched. Okay, so you started doing. You not started, but you're doing all these different sales. You realized you were an entrepreneur. You felt you had that. What did you? What brought you to real estate? What made you decide not to do law? Again? I mean. I didn't go into real estate immediately when I didn't go to law school, right? Mm-hmm. What I did, um, even in high school, I've always worked since I was 15, mm-hmm. right? I worked at KFC. I worked at the market. I worked at the pharmacy. I always had like a job, always part-time, even if I didn't have to. And if my dad's listening to this, like he's finding out now that I worked <laughs> when, when, you know, when I didn't have to work. I just liked having my own money. And then when I was um, when I was sixteen, I got a job in retail, which I got. I held on for for a while, for like three four years. I worked in the men's department, mm-hmm. and I did really really well there. And I realized, okay, I'm a really I'm a pretty good salesperson. I, I don't know what again. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Uh, in Canada, compared to America, they they're not really big on entrepreneurship like here. They're more. It's not Isn't it more of a socialist government it in a sense? It, it so it doesn't allow for that. It, it's not that it doesn't allow for that. It's that people don't feel the need to do it because the government gives you so much money. I mean, you can have a job. If you have children, especially, you get a lot of money. You get money from the federal government. You get What's money a lot of money? How much do they give you? I mean, if you have one kid, you can get up to $2,000 a month. American, like American equivalent of dollars. Yeah. Really? Yeah, right, a month. Okay, we can. Yeah, but then people don't work as hard. But right? exactly. So that's the problem with socialism. First of all, two grand is two grand. It's not. It's just not enough. Yeah, not but enough if money. you look yearly, you have twenty four thousand dollars. The cost of living isn't that. The much. reality is, and this goes into entrepreneurship in general. Most people want to have more money. They're just either not sure how to start, mm-hmm. and if they do start, they're not. They don't believe in themselves enough to go through the pain and the agony. Of failing and fucking up and not knowing when it's gonna when they're gonna have their big moment mm-hmm. uh, because at the end of the day if you handed anybody a million dollars they take it you know sure. so they all want sure. the end result but they're not necessarily willing to go through the and at the end of the day people love handouts most people love handouts right. and people are looking for handouts how why do you think a lot of people 
What? They're doing that now. They are. This, and I'm against that, and which is, we can talk about that later, but yeah. I don't believe in handouts. I don't even believe in people giving you anything. I understand that you'll get favors once in a while, but I don't think people should depend on that. But if you look at Canada, if it's already part of the culture, you're not going to find people hustling as hard as in America. Absolutely. Right? And for me, when you're living there and when this has been your life, your whole life, you're in it and you don't even realize it, right? So for me, I'm like, wow, I'm doing really well in sales, right? Like I'm, I was working at a, a shop called Le Chateau, which for, for years I worked there and I did really well, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to go into sales, right? I've always loved real estate, always, always loved real estate to the point that my mom told me that when I was a kid, you know how we have different channels and one of the channels and that, that's like in the 80s or like early 90s, right? So mm-hmm. guess my age. Um, I would watch. 20, I would 22. In, what? 22. You're good. 22. Um, 22. Okay, good. I would sit in front of the TV as a kid and watch the channel because that then we put all the listings on the channel. And my mom told me I would sit there and watch it all day. It was so much harder back then. Yeah. People, like it's crazy how realtors are complaining now with all the tech we have. Unbelievable. You think 10 years ago they had a dialer? They didn't know that. Back then you had to literally go in a newspaper to look at listings or sit in front of that channel all day until you would find one that you like and you would have to like hurry up and write down the phone. It's unbelievable how much more efficient we have it as agents and we're still sitting there personally. I mean, you have so many agents that are bitching about the difficulty of it. And yeah, I'm not going to say things. It's at all. It's crazy. Yeah. But anyways, I always knew I wanted to go into it, but I didn't really know how. And the thing with me, I'm a very creative person as well. Mm-hmm. I went into marketing in college, in university, right? So I always went to school, had a job. And my job always had sales aspects in it. Whether I worked as a teller at the bank, and I started working at the bank right after retail. Mm-hmm. And at the bank, even when you're a teller, you have to tell people, hey, you know, you're pre-approved for a credit card. Would you like to, to apply for it? Or, hey, I see here you're pre-approved for a line of credit. Would you like to talk to a representative Mm -hmm. about it? Mm -hmm. I always had an aspect of it, and I always did very, very well without even trying hard, right? I just feel like you have it or you don't. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a whole nother, you know? You can work on it for sure, but when you have it naturally, you have it naturally, right? I definitely think I had to work on it from when I was younger. I was definitely very social even as a kid. Yeah. But when I was no... Not nearly as much as I am now. Okay. Which is interesting. But you can work on it. You can yes. work on anything yes. in life. You can, work, you can work on it, but there's some people that have it naturally. But look, I had it naturally. I just right. didn't know what to do with it. Do mm-hmm. you see what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I knew that I was good, but I never thought, again, coming from Canada where people don't talk about money. That's very European. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about how much you make. You don't talk about how much you can make. You don't talk about your financial goals. It's very, it's more close minded when it comes to that, right? And long story short, I went to work in mortgages, right? I worked at the bank and there was an opening. No, I worked at the bank. There was an opening for, because um, I worked on the phones at one point. Again, all during college. Yeah, AKA university for you guys. We call it, you guys call it college, we call it university. We, but you know what it is for us? I'll, I'll explain how it works. Mm-hmm. College is a smaller, it's a, generally when you refer to college, it's a local like community. Not yeah, it, meaning it's smaller. There aren't necessarily frats. If there are frats, they're I kind of mean, like. I didn't even know what a frat was. That's such an. You don't have frats in Canada. Uh, no, maybe there was one, maybe like in Toronto. I wasn't a part of one. I went to a local college. Oh I, my god! Near I, my house. I remember looking at frat people doing a dance, and I thought it was a cult. <laughs> I'm like, it is where, a cult. I'm like, where am I? I need to leave. You it here. totally is a like, cult. Like they're gonna try to like. No, I'm like I gotta go. I gotta it go. It totally <laughs> is. It, it's a crazy party, wild nut. You know. It was, I, to me, it was really weird. I mean, frats are probably a lot. Frats and sororities are probably incredibly fun. But for me, I just wanted to finish school and get out of it. I just exactly. So here. I went to a local school. I didn't have all these parties. Of course, I went to college. Good for you. No, but good for you. Yeah, no, I went, I went to parties, but I was much more focused on just getting the degree. I did not like college. It wasn't for me. I liked the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I liked socializing with people. There were some classes I enjoyed, but overall, I wanted to get the fucking degree, finish, <laughs> move on. I went to school for free, which is nice. Good for and you. Financially. Congrats. So that was good. No college debt, which is fantastic. That's one thing. Like I have, I have my daughter. 
Mm-hmm. And if you ask her where she's going to college, she'll like tell you like a robot like Canada. Like she doesn't even know why she's saying it. Because mm-hmm. my thing is I'm like, because she's dual citizen and I'm like, I don't want her to be in debt for two hundred thousand dollars. Let's get into that. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll agree with me. And it's changing. It's very, very, very she doesn't changing. Even have to go. College, unless you're going into something, and this is people have like people have heard this a million times, but it doesn't re- it doesn't it doesn't register in people's heads. Unless you are going to college for something that you need to have a degree like for, a doctor. then don't bother. If you have no idea what you want to do, then I understand if you go to college. But if you're going to college and you're getting a liberal arts degree, <laughs> or, like political, or political science, science <laughs> just Art. just drop out and go do something else. You're wasting your time. You're going into debt for nothing. And people don't want to accept this. And parents, old school parents, are like, you need a degree. No, you don't. People want to see experience. That's that's the truth. I 100% agree. And I look back at my college education, mm-hmm. and I think the two biggest things that I got in it mm-hmm. was, for me, English is my second language. And I went to an English university. It really helped me with my writing, you know, essays and things like that. It helped me with that. And it helped me with net, the networking. I met people that became my clients, what, like 10 years later, right? Oh, that's awesome. But except for that... I learned everything working. Absolutely. Working. That's how it is for most people. Again, working since I was 15. I didn't wait till I was 20-something. No, no, no. I worked while I was in high school. And I tell that to people. Like, I just did a podcast with, not a podcast, like a mini interview with, like, teenagers. And I Mm -hmm. told them, look, the biggest advice I can give you, work. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're doing it for a month. I don't care if you're doing it, like, once a week. Work. Work for someone learn to work, you, you need to learn to do it. Because if you don't do it, you're going to become entitled. Absolutely. Or when you're going to have a job, you're going to yes. have all these demands, and you're Preach. not going to know how to do shit. And you're going to be like, well, these people are mean. Or no, you get to work when you're young. That way you're not going to have to see a therapist because of a new job when you're in your 20s. I was a waiter for eight years. Oh, my God, that's, the best, that's one of the best started, jobs. I started working at 15 also. Um, I, uh, I was making pretty decent money. It was cash. It was off the books. Mm-hmm. IRS. <laughs> it was off the books and it was great money. I mean, great it was money. great cash. I was doing it for, for, like I said, eight years. I was doing it throughout high school. I did it. It's great. And you learn diffi- people skills. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You deal with difficult people. I was carrying, yeah. I did, I wasn't working in a restaurant or I, I didn't do weddings. So the jobs mostly were relatively easier mm-hmm. to me. Anyhow, I did felt, you work for any? For like catering or? Yes. So I worked for a waitering agency, but it wasn't some legitimate, it it wasn't illegitimate, but it was like a guy, it was a guy who owned a a company. He paid me cash. Right. He paid me cash. He had a bunch of waiters and we, the catering company hired us. We wore black on black, like black shirt, whatever. Yeah. And some of the, a lot of them were plastic and paper job, like the, the silver, you know, plastic wear. Five hour gigs. 100, 120 bucks. I was, you know, 16, 17, you know, 15, 16. When I was a little younger, he paid me less because I was a newbie. Once I got a little older, he's paying me 20, 25, 25 an hour with tips. I, I, I would do three jobs back to back. I woke up at five, sometimes 5 a.m., mm-hmm. 4.30, did a job at 6 a.m., finished at like 11, made $120. Then I had another job at 12. That's so 12 to like, and when you're like 15 and you have that, that's a lot of I money. was doing three jobs in one day. Good, I made like $400 right? cash. That's amazing. And and another thing, I told you I worked at 15, but my parents had a restaurant mm-hmm. when I was younger and I was 11 years old helping out. Mm-hmm. I didn't get paid for it, but then people would find me cute and they would tip me once in a while. Right? Okay. But I didn't get paid for it. Somebody just gave you a tip because they thought no, you were No, but cute. people would tip me because my mom would be like, hey, can you just go get their order or whatever? And I would That's go. Nice. That's sweet. I would go and I just would just try to be cute and mm-hmm. like, okay, you like, let me get their order. <laughs> but people would really like me and they would be like, oh my God, she's in it. People would give me like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, just to like encourage me because I was helping my parents, right? And for me, watching my parents work always taught me hard, hard work. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, you know, I, that's another difference with, between the kids now. I mean, when I was working when I was 15, my other friends were working too. It's not like I'm the only one that was, all my friends had like a little job. You know what I think it is though, Sarah? I think because you, you have immigrant parents, True. they instilled that in you, but you have a lot of parents that are second, third generation. They don't make their kids do anything. Their I kids don't do that. anything. My daughter has no idea what's coming for her. 
you, you might, and I respect you for that, but there are a lot of parents who don't make it, especially their daughters, they don't make them do anything. No, but you have to they come into the world to become an asshole. Right. You know, like. I, I love that you're saying that, but there's a lot of people who don't think that way. My, fuck that if my kid thinks he's going to be he or she but my daughter I give her as much as I can right I work really hard she's living a good life but guess what she does her she makes her bed in the morning she has to make her own breakfast she knows how to use a dishwasher she knows how to put the stuff in the dishwasher she's seven years old that's fantastic right and Mm -hmm. her other like I'm not going to compare her to other people but there's other kids that don't even know how to make their bed they don't even know how to shower by themselves without the mom telling them how to shower or how to wash their ass like (laughs) <laughs> There's no way on earth that I'm gonna raise an asshole. But you French people, so French people are very spoiled. They have no, they're not. That, no, but they have the they have they have a th- the bidet that does it for them. Oh my god, <laughs> that's really By the way, by the way, the bidet. That's um, anyways, like, not even good. In Canada, we don't use bidet. <laughs> like only, we're French, but not like that. You know? What really? I, mean? I, I thought that it, it literally bidet. comes from France. It does, but you know. Quebec You're saying French people. French. I love how we're getting into this conversation. Yeah, I don't like. Really, I don't use it. Really like, I know how to use it, but we're not like. I've never had one in my life. That's oh my god! <laughs> I'll tell you though. I'll tell you though. The friend, the French people that I've met, not all of them, and I got along with them very well, but they were very, very spoiled. Like it's just their mentality. You find? I just find that French people and even Quebecois people were just a little bit more refined when it comes to certain things and people might think oh you're snobby they're snobby but it's not that it's literally part of the lifestyle it's a it's part of your lifestyle to know good wines it's part of your lifestyle to eat really really good food but then when you come to the west and you're like oh i'm gonna make duck you're like Ooh, la, la. look at the french girl making duck but duck is like 9.99 Normal. in canada it's 9.99 oh it's cheap okay no but what i'm saying it's part of the lifestyle like we'll eat tartare like People think it's fancy. Is it du tartare? Oh, it's du tartare. We have people here, no, here people. Tartare, tartare. The hell is tartare? They have no idea, but like it's part of the lifestyle. But then when you go to, and I, I wouldn't say another country. I would say America. You come to America, people are like, ooh, look at these French people with their fancy. It's taste, a stereotype. Right? You guys have that stereotype. Italians also have that stereotype. It's the, the In which way? fashion. Because you're Italian too, right? But I didn't grow up Italian. I just happened to be Italian from my father's side, but I grew up Jewish completely. So I like to cook, and my Italian food is my favorite food. Love to Italian food. Love. I, I when I was in food. high school, my, my buddies, whoever's listening to this, my buddies made fun of me because for lunch, every fucking day, I, I had pasta. Oh my every God. day. I would your friend. Can you eat a little bit? I, I don't know how I didn't get sick, but I ate it every single day. Over and over. No, I. I, I, could eat I would eat different day. things. I'd yeah. Be fat though, but. So I was I was young. So Wait, I, were you chubby? Never. I used okay. to be very skinny, actually. Okay. Never fat. No. I love so my first international trip that wasn't baby was when I was fifteen and I went to Italy for almost a month, and Which that changed my for life. A month. For a month. Wow. Yeah. And it changed my life because, and that's another thing. Like I feel like I started working actually for that trip when I was 15 because I was I knew I was going to go on that trip mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be for a month and I knew that I would have an allowance but at the time you know you're a teenager I had all these magazines and all these breads and all that I'm like hey if I'm going to go to Italy like I want to have cash cash you know what I mean like yeah. it's the fashion place you know I, mm-hmm. we were going to go to Milan and everything and I said okay I want to buy things that I want mm-hmm. when I'm there and not have to ask for my parents for extra money and I know that you know, we're going there, it's going to be a nice trip, but I don't want to ask them for like a thousand bucks or whatever. And then I got a job at KFC. In Italy? No, before going from here. Oh, my, my trip was in July, and I worked at KFC from April until end of June. Wow, that's awesome because you didn't grow up in a poor situation. You did say your dad didn't grow I wasn't poor, but I wasn't. I was very middle class. My dad started really doing really well when I was like 12 or 15. Because he got a crazy job. Okay, I'm just so. listen. Here's the thing, and here's here's the thing that I'll say. I think a lot of people aren't willing to admit when they grow up in a in a comfortable household because it kind of takes away from the whole story of rags to riches. Mm-hmm. So I'm not shitting on you for that. It's perfectly fine. At the end of the day, you still hustle. Okay. So like, I had Margot on. If Margot happens to be listening to this, she brought up the I'm gonna I'm gonna roast her a little, even though we don't. Oh my I don't, even, I don't even know her that well. Uh, but she was like, oh, like sometimes people give me shit for like working for my dad and people say like, oh, you didn't have to work for anything. 
the end of the day, everyone's got a different deck of cards. But there's people that don't take that opportunity. So there's the thing. She works good. From what I see, definitely with her with her content, she knows she's very knowledgeable. I see she knows very much about mortgages. She could have been, you know, her, it seems like her dad does very well. She could have been a lazy girl who does nothing. And that's most people, by the way. You so, know that. So let me just, I'm, I'm giving her a compliment. Margot, you're welcome. So... <laughs> She she works very hard. She knows her mortgages. She makes content every day. She's very knowledgeable on content, and I mean she's she, you know she does very well for herself. So, at the end of the day, you can be somebody who grows up in a more comfortable household and, and decide to just skate by and ask for money and do yeah. nothing. So, although I didn't grow up with any kind of money, I I respect people who did grow up more comfortably and still decided to get their own, mm -hmm. to get their own bag, as they say, mm -hmm. because hard work is hard work. So, and so. the way I look at it, too, you know, there's, so there's different types of comfortable, right? There's comfortable where you're like, you can get anything you want at any moment, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's comfortable where, yeah, you're, you live in a cute house, things are, are good, but I didn't have any luxuries. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, like, if I wanted, you know, like a new Nintendo, I couldn't really get it, right? Like, but it's only when I was later on, like when I was 12 and later on, and again, my parents, well, I didn't say it before, my parents got divorced. Mm. But then my dad got a crazy job that was international, and I was living with my mom. Mm. So basically, when I would go see my dad, it would be one life stop. And then when I would be with my mom, it would be like... How is it different? How are the lifestyles different? My dad was an expatriate living in different countries every two years. So... And I'm saying it, and I really respect him because he really came from that, from nothing, nothing, nothing. Like he worked in a restaurant, I think. From he used to be like a busboy, like at an Italian restaurant wow, when really? he was a kid. When he came to Montreal, and literally worked all of high school, worked all of college. And he became an accountant, and then he started. He got a really good job as an expatriate, working for an, in, an international oil company. Literally came from nothing, and then went to do that. You know, and um, for me, it showed me like the hard work because my dad I remember when I was a kid he was the first one in the office last one in the office as an accountant you know what I mean and I watched all that like him literally like every every single morning he would get his egos because he had to drive an hour to go to work when you, you said egos egos like the waffles. waffles he would like get his waffle egos and like his coffee in the mug and leave home at like five something because he wanted to be the first one in the office he led by example so yeah. he had a huge impact on you huge impact and even when he worked he worked as uh, the chief financial officer for a huge oil company. He was working in a different country every two years. So, you know, I'm super grateful. My sister and I, we got to travel all over the world because of that. But we were living full time with my mom, right? So, even when he was working, again, first one in the office, last one out of the office, right? Constantly like working, 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 and always showed me like, whatever you want, you just gotta work your ass off for it because it's not like he got privileged. He, it's not like he got financial aid. He didn't get any of that. He literally had to work and pay for his own shit mm -hmm. his whole life. So I watched that. And I watched my parents have a restaurant too. And I watched the ups and downs of a restaurant. And I watched my dad being a full-time accountant and having a restaurant just to try to hustle and do more, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I've always just watched people working. Not, no handouts, no... And even working for an international company, right? Just still hustling to try to go up and go up and mm -hmm. go up in the company. Although I'm not the type that wants to work corporate, but just watching that just showed me, hey, if you want something in life, you just got to work for it because you can come from nothing and you can be there. So that's what, that's what, that's what the, the whole, I guess, paradox of, well, I, would, I don't know if I'd call it a paradox, but you have people who want to work all the time. So for instance, for me, I love accomplishment. Okay. So as much as I liked, and I, and I actually saw this guy, his name is Vic Tipness. Okay. He's on social media. He has a, a large following. He's an entrepreneur. He owns a company called Blackstone. It's like a medical. I know, I know Blackstone. Well, not the real estate Blackstone. Oh, okay. So it, it's a medical, it's a medical uh, like sales company. And he does very, very well, very successful guy. And he said recently, I just saw a video he posted and he said, I enjoy downtime every now and then, but I'd much rather accomplish things. I, I'm, I'm much happier when I'm doing and accomplishing. And that's, I resonate with that so much. Downtime, when I schedule my downtime, but I enjoy more working and being productive and accomplishing things than I do just kind of 
doing nothing. I have no consideration on burnout. It doesn't exist in my Because when you're someone who enjoys accomplishment, because I had to do that my whole life, it's so much more fulfilling. You have a schedule, you have a routine, you do, you know what you're doing, you have goals. When you're just sitting around, it's, it's, I love enjoying myself on a vacation. I rarely do them because I want to get to a certain place where I feel I've earned it. So it, it's, it's tough to, to think about because every second that passes, you don't get, you meaning you don't get again. It's, it's over. Every, now we're, we're having a conversation. We're losing time out of our lives right now. It's a crazy yeah. thing to think about. We're never going to get back again. So do I spend it having a podcast with you? Do I spend it in Venice? Do I spend it working in an office? That's all up to up to my decision. At the end of the day, I, what I am afraid of... It's mental, though. Yeah, so I'm, what I'm afraid of is I don't want to be 40 years old and regret my decisions. So for me, because I want to have a family, kids, and I want to give them more than I had, I'd rather sacrifice those vacations and that time for on the now. beach yeah. for now... So I can have the ability to have the financial freedom to have the ability to go to my kid's soccer practice. If I need to pick my kid up at three o'clock, I can do it. If I want to take a random vacation on January 3rd to January 26th with my entire family, I can afford it and we can do it and there's no problem. And you have systems in place so that your business can keep running. Correct. Correct. That's something I struggle with. We can talk about it later, but like I, you know, you're talking about accomplishments and accomplishments and having your free time. And you know, when you witness that firsthand, right? Like I witnessed my dad not never taking vacations. I witnessed him just hustling, like hustling, hustling. And, you know, as a black person, not as a white man. And, you know, I, we can talk about how, oh, we can't, it's not different. It, it is different. Talk people, to all you want. Go ahead. People look at you different. People look at you in a different way. And my parents, since I was a kid, they told me, listen, if someone in your class has, if the average is 80% as a black person, you have to be at 85 for you to be considered at 80, right? For you to go for a job or whatever it is, they're like, you always have to do better to be considered equal, which it's sad to say, and especially back then, I, I know things are changing now, but it, it's a reality, right? And for me, I never let that bring me down. I never went to a job interview thinking, oh, I'm black, they're not going to date me. Or I never said, okay, um, I want to go after this internship or whatever. Oh, black. I was always like, I'm going to fucking kill it. I, I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care if I'm black. I don't care if I'm... I went to a high school where I was one of the only black people in the entire school. I never gave a shit. Mm -hmm. People were like, well, how did it feel? I didn't, I didn't think... I don't think about things like that. I'm like, if you start to think about that you're different, if you start thinking that, oh, um... My, my skin color is different. I have a different culture at home. We eat different foods. We speak a different language. If you start letting that get to your head, it's gonna, it's like a limiting belief. And for me, and it's my, both of my parents actually, they really helped me just say, you know what, just do better. Just do really good so that they can never say shit about you. By the way, oh, I love this. My feeling is first off, in the early 1900s, many Jews from Europe immigrated here. Mm -hmm. Many of them weren't accepted to different workplaces. Yeah, they, they didn't let them work. They said no Jews allowed on the doors. Um, a lot of Jews who kept Shabbat weren't able to work in certain jobs because they were open on Shabbat and needed they, they needed their employer employees to work. No, but I'm saying like they said if you're not going to work Saturdays, we're not going to hire you. Mm -hmm. So aside from the racism of not wanting to hire Jewish people, they didn't want them to work for them because they said, okay, well, why would I hire you if I can hire a Saturday worker? So... If you're any group, here's my feeling. If you're black, and there are black Jews as well, but... We have actually a religion in my dad's family called Seventh-day Adventist that is very similar right, right, to Seventh-day Adventist, right. Shabbat. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I, I have a buddy of mine, his name David Baez. He's, he's Christian. Well, I think he's Catholic, but he, he very much like honors Shabbat. So we always say Shabbat Shalom to each other. My grandmother. Love my grandmother Shabbat. Shout out to you, David, man. You're the man. Uh, sorry? What did you say? I, I'm giving a shout out to David. Oh, his name is what David Baez, Baez. Oh my God, sorry. He's Dominican, but he's he's awesome. He's a killer realtor, awesome guy, beautiful family. Um, so he, yeah, so he, you know, we make the, the kind of, well, not the joke about Shabbat, but we have that thing. Uh, so ultimately, uh, I'm just trying to, to backtrack. When you work so hard to the point where you become an asset, it doesn't matter in my opinion, what you are, what color you are, what religion you are, yeah. if you become valuable enough where people need you, 
they'll hire you even if they hate you. So if you're a black Jewish gay attorney, <laughs> but you're a fucking killer attorney, and some and some neo Nazi needs you to get them out of jail, you might not decide to represent them, mm-hmm. but they're probably going to call you to represent them because they know that you're the best, the best person one out there. Exactly. But it's a mental thing too, right? Because and I mean, to be honest, mind. I don't think I'd be able to represent one. I probably oh if I God, did represent, <laughs> I, I don't think I know. I'd, I I would definitely put them. I would do my best to put them in jail. But anyway, <laughs> but like it's a mental thing too in the sense that. In your mind, you cannot let these things limit you. You cannot even think about it. Because if I start thinking that, even entering the luxury market or whatever in real estate, if I start thinking, oh my God, there's no other black people, like, I'm like, I don't give a shit. In case, a matter of fact, if there's no black people, great. I'll be the one to, I'll be the one to, awesome. to be seen and, or to be known, like, good, right? And I guess it's the same for Jewish people. You guys have a lot of oppression too. And at the end of the day, you guys, a lot of you guys, killer amazing things right so like it doesn't matter what color what religion you are if in your mind say you know what i'm going to be the greatest and i'm going to work for it and i'm going to do what i have to do to be the best one then that's it this is going to be a real i'm going to make this a real yeah i have a couple of reels but that's definitely gonna be real. oh yeah yeah because <laughs> people people need to hear this more people sabotage themselves because they worry too much about all mental. about color it's all mental it's all, all mental, mental. Oh, what color what age you know i have this thing where people think i'm younger than me Great. If you think I'm younger, great. Then I'm a. You think I'm like twenty something years old, and that means I'm a hustling twenty something years old. If I'm doing all that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I never let any. Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe it's just who I am. But I never let any of these things limit me. And matter of fact, as a matter of fact, when there's anything limiting, it pushes me even more. Like when people doubt me, and I get that all the time. Almost awesome. every day, people doubt. Me. Really? Like, yeah, all the time. Oh my god, all what? the time. Uh, the Canadian friendly thing. You think that's friendly? So I'm not going to negotiate well for them. They think. And the Do big, clients ever say that to you to your face? Yeah. What do they say? No, they were like, "Oh, like you know, you're really friendly. How are you in negotiation?" And I see it in their eyes, and I'm like, "You know what?" Interesting. And I'm like, "You'll see." Or another thing that I do, I have. I feel like I get. The, I feel like I get the opposite, to be honest. With really? You. That's what you get from me? No, no. I'm no. I. I see you as a good negotiator. What I'm saying is I get the, I feel like I get the opposite. Whereas you think you're people, yeah. You don't know you're not. I don't get, not I don't, at I don't all. act that way. I don't not act that way. Not at all. Actually, that's why I'm doing this. Like, you're, you're really chill. Mm-hmm. No, but I think like when I have clients because I'm a New Yorker, I'm very oh. direct. So I don't know, but I, but direct whenever, whenever I, have, whenever I, so full of shit in Miami. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. Thank God. I agree. Whenever I have a, whenever I have a realtor that I'm doing a transaction with, I do my best to work with the realtor. I don't understand why people try to go against the agent. I have a, I have a realtor. I want to say her name because she's a piece of shit. Okay, this realtor. Well, you every don't time want I to say her name. Her, or you don't want to say her name. I almost want to say her name <laughs> because the thing is, every time I call her, you know, you talk about how realtors we want to work with each other. Mm-hmm. This girl yells at everyone all the time. Yeah, she yells at everyone all the time. So again, because I'm Canadian, she would think that I would be nice and that. You know, that I'm never going to talk back to her. Good luck with that. Okay, because I will roast you. I will wash you with soap and water if I have to. I don't care. But then, you know, people are always underestimating me. And the more people underestimate me, the more drive I have. The more I want, the, the harder I want to work. It's a very, very healthy to... entrepreneurial attitude. It's very okay? important for absolutely. Like, I love when people are like, oh, my God, you're like, Oh, she's new, or she's this. I'm like, oh my god, thank you. Yes. Like now, I'm just gonna like make you shut the fuck up <laughs> to a point that you're gonna want to be my friend, or you're gonna want to be close to me just to learn from me after talking all that shit about me. So that's how I think. That's how I work. It's very it, competition is key in entrepreneurship. I think. I mean, it listen, I'm I'm a young guy. I have a lot to learn. I'm not gonna sit here talking like like I'm a millionaire because I'm not. Uh, but uh, I know I have the right attitude, and Good. I just have to keep it. I have to stay consistent and do what I'm doing. Discipline is the word Absolutely. for 2022. Absolutely. Discipline. Absolutely. You can do anything you want with discipline. It's like I said before. It's um, it's it's the conversation of do you want to go through it? Do you want to go through the shitty parts of it? But on the other side, you've been in real estate for seven years. You're saying it's easy. In Miami. Right, so you you understand that now where you are, I'm sure you face difficulty and bullshit and difficult clients and difficult agents. 
but you you're in there's a rhythmic part of it where you 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 kind of know what you're dealing with oh that it's that kind of agent uh it's that kind of client yeah, let me pivot let me pivot and, and deal with it that way it's a more introverted client okay it's a more analytical client it's a driver client it's this client it's that client you've experienced these things enough where you know how to kind of shift and deal right but you're talking about real estate but you know don't forget to go back that i've had a bunch of other different jobs where i had to deal with different people so mm -hmm. i can't even only credit that to real estate, I'll credit that to working retail. I'll credit that to KFC was probably one of the best jobs I've ever had, like ever. You did a drive through or you were like No, I was at the at the cash, at the cash register, right? And you have to learn to deal with people, you have to be fast. You have secret shoppers that come to evaluate you and your customer service, which is huge in Canada. Canada is either horrible or excellent. There's no middle when they evaluate you at any job. That's why people are like, oh Canadians are so friendly. No, because they're standard. Our standards are really, really high when it comes to that. And I had to learn how to cook. Like if, if one of the people in the back wasn't there to make the chicken, I had to learn how to make that. Like I learned so much even working in retail, working on the phones, working as a teller. Every little job that I had brought me to being good in real estate. So I worked at the bank after college and I worked in mortgages and I wanted to be a realtor and I took the exam and I failed it. And then I took it again and then I was afraid to be a full-time realtor in Canada. Mm -hmm. I never did it. Because working in mortgages in Canada, you have your base salary and you have bonuses, right? I was comfortable. You don't do commissions on, on mortgages then? You do, but you have a base salary, you have insurance, and you're like, you have to come So you like the, security, so you like the security. I never thought of that. But then um, I, I always had a feeling like I wanted to be a realtor. Like I knew it. I would watch the shows. I would look at other realtors. And I'm like, damn, like, these people are doing good. But I'm like... I can't do that. I was scared. I was afraid. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people who are afraid feel bad for being afraid. It's normal to be afraid. If you have a comfortable job, changes changes scary. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. I was, I was afraid. I'm like, look, I have a really good job. I'm really good at what I do in mortgages and even at the bank, helping people. I'm good in sales. I mean, those are things. I have savings. Like, I'm good. I'm like, why would I, like, do something different, right? right? But then something happened where I met a guy that was in Miami. And then I had a baby, and I had her in Canada, and the whole plan was for me to move to Miami, which I did. And then the moment that I moved to Miami, our relationship didn't work out. So imagine, I left my job, I left my friends, I left everything that I had. My dad had a house in Miami, but he was working in Africa at the time. So I had nobody. I only had this guy that I was dating. I had one friend, Paola, if she's watching, shout out to Paola, who lived in fucking Coral Springs, which is basically another state. Yeah, it's all <laughs> right. I had one friend here who lived in Coral Springs. I had no friends. I only had this guy, and I had a newborn baby, and the relationship didn't work out. So I thought my life was over. I'm like, my life is fucking over. Um, I'm engaged. I can just call off. I just called off a wedding. Like, it's the most embarrassing time of my life. I have a newborn who's looking at me, who like wants my tit every second, right, to take her milk. And I don't know anyone. I left all my friends. I left my comfort. I left everything I had in Canada. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So initially, I'm like, oh, my God. I remember my mom telling me something, and I'll always remember that. She told me, Sarah, you've been comfortable your whole life. You've always known everyone. You've always, like, walked into a club and you, like, opened the red velvet rope for you to let you in because you know everyone. And there's the idea of my Canada. She's like, you're somewhere new. It's an opportunity for you to do something different. And she's like, who knows? Maybe you might do even better. So she told me, give it a year. Because my initial thought was like, fuck that. I'm going back to Canada. I'm thinking my child, I'm going back to Canada. But then my mom told me, she said, if you do that, she's not going to know her dad. And even though our relationship didn't work out, he's an amazing dad, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, okay, what the fuck do I do? She told me, give it a year. If you want to, like, cut your veins after a year because you're so miserable, okay. But she's like, you need to try. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to try. Because mm -hmm. I, when I moved to Miami, by the way, I hated Miami. Hated it. I've never hated the city so much when at first. Now I love it. But at first, I'm like, okay, when you have no friends, when you have nothing, when you come from Canada, it's very difficult. It's difficult to make friends here. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to find genuine people. I missed my friends. Like, I missed my... I had that with New York, too. You had that, too, when you came here? Like, 
I, I literally like. I liked I, it, but it, but it, there were part. There were times where like, damn, I kind of want to choke my friends. Yeah, like especially when I have like when you have like a newborn baby. Like I thought about all my friends and. Like I have my friend Jen, like if she's listening, like I remember my friend Jen coming in and like helping me with my kid and then she left and I was like crying because I'm like, if I was in Canada, I would have that help, you know what I mean? And it was so difficult and I was at a point where I was, I started looking at jobs and I have a good, you know, I have a good background so I would put on LinkedIn and I'm looking and I had all these job offers I think and the salary here is shitty when you work at a bank, like shitty, shitty, shitty. It's much better in Canada? Much better in Canada. Really? Much better. Like here, they want you to work more and they pay you less. And I'm like, okay, you want me to work nine to six? What about my fucking child? The daycare finishes at six. How am I going to get to daycare? Like mm-hmm. with the traffic and everything. The schedule is shitty. They pay you less money. Like they would pay me like probably like 30% less than I was making in Canada. And they wanted me to work more. So I got a, a really shitty job in the meanwhile. And I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to be a realtor. I'm like, what do I have to lose? I'm like, I'm already here. I'm already like, I'm not rock bottom, but I'm, I'm like, I'm already like, I know nobody. I'm already like, I hate it. Like, it's, you know, I'm just at the point where I'm like, what do I have to lose trying something? Because I'm like, it's not like I'm going back to Canada. I'm like, I'm going to as well try. And I heard realtors here are really shitty. And I'm like, I'm really good in customer service. I have a really good education. I speak multiple languages. I'm like, you know what? Let me try. And I hope he's listening to me. Uh, there's this particular realtor that I called and I knew here and told him I wanted to be a realtor and this guy put me down so much that he made me want to be a realtor even more. Remember when I told you that when people put me down, mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. doubt me, mm-hmm. it fuels me. This guy told me, oh, my assistant, you know, he's an attorney. He failed the exam four times. And he's like, you know, good luck being a realtor. You not oh, knowing anyone here. Failed the exam four times. Yeah, he's a dumbass. It's not that part of the test. But it, I, I finished it in 20 minutes, and I, English is not my first language. I failed the first time, too. You did? I didn't fail second the first time. time I failed it by three points. Oh, my God. The second time I, the second time I took it, I aced it, though. No, okay, I failed the one in Canada. The one here, I aced that shit, right? So this realtor basically told me, like, good luck. You know, like, good luck being a realtor. You don't know anyone. Good luck. And guess what? I'm doing better than him now. That's amazing. That's incredible. And it didn't take me too long to be better. But anyways... Um, so he really put me down. I can't, you can't drop the mic because it's attached to the mm, Drop mic. <laughs> but anyways, he basically, because I was just like, what do I have to do? I'm like, you know what? What I did, because I worked in mortgage. You're in your element right now. I'm what? You're in your element right now. I am. Chilling. Listen. <laughs> what, what I did though is because I worked in mortgages, I worked with realtors. Mm-hmm. So I called the realtors I knew and I'm like, what should I do? Right? I wanted to become a realtor in Miami. I don't know anyone. I have no money. I have a little bit of money. What do I do? And they all told me they're like, you need to go full time and you need to get into coaching or mentorship. Absolutely. Excellent advice. I have a great coach and I'm full. I started oh, full time. Yeah. yeah. Are you at, uh, coaching at KW or? Well, he is a KW. He's part of KW. He has a KW uh, Market Center. Okay, cool. His name is Aaron Novello. Okay, I, heard, I think I heard about him. Um, I started off at KW. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so his name is Aaron Novello. Okay. He doesn't, he's not like a famous guy with a ton of followers or whatever, but he is so he's like knowledgeable. A coach. He, uh, he's, a, he's an amazing realtor too. Oh, does wow. incredibly well. He's not. For instance, you have Dina Goldenter, who's well known. Everyone knows it, right? You have some realtors that everyone knows. He's well known with certain people, obviously, but he's an incredible coach. He is—he's a real estate king. He really, really knows his shit. Um, very happy that I decided to do coaching with him. It's um, the best thing you can yeah, do. No, I, I did it early on. I got into coaching a couple of months in. Some colleagues in my office told me about him. I checked him out. I liked what he had to say. It's an investment. And it's it's an well investment in your business, well right? So I do uh, I do role play every morning. With, you do? I am on a role play group. So it's Monday, just a phone call. And right, right, right. So Monday I to Friday. I started calling too. Started? Well, no, and I didn't start, but when I started <laughs> off in real estate, right. I mean, the thing with coaching is that, you know, the way I look at it, I'm like, okay, do you know any a little bit of wine. about why it's starting already, guys? It's starting. You're still sober. Ish. Ish. Because you drop wine. But the way I look at coaching, I'm like, okay, imagine like a really good athlete. Even though they're really talented, you all have a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at your wine stain like, what the fuck? No, it is what it is. I can't undo my wine stain. Yeah. Shit happens. That's why I'm wearing black. If I drop wine, I'm not fine. It is what it is. It's okay. I'm in Tom Ferry coaching.
than Tom Ferry. So that's what that's what gets me about Tom Ferry, though. Tom Ferry was he ever a realtor? So his dad was a realtor. I'm not sure if he was a realtor, but he's not the one that coaches me. I just don't get it, though. We think he's a he's a coach for so many people, but he's never... so good, though. Like he's super talented, like knowing what to do. Yes. But my thing is, is like, okay, so you might not be the best realtor. And a lot of coaches, even in the NBA or in the NFL, they weren't the best players, but they're just amazing coaches. I guess that's valid. It's just it's just interesting to me. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I really like to be coached by somebody who's in the trenches. My coach is not, my coach isn't an, like one of the best realtors out there. Mm-hmm. My coach was like, well, he still sells real estate, but he's a great, great realtor, right? So most of the coaches in the company, they're either like top, top, top producing realtors that have a team running everything, or they were realtors and, you know, they're doing something else now. But my coach is, I can't say anything bad. Like, he's awesome. And for me, it's worth every penny. Whether you're doing Tom Ferry or any other program that you're comfortable with, coaching is really what, and for me, I didn't start with them. I was at QW, I did like the productivity coaching and everything at the beginning. And then I got. I started that too. Yeah, I'm not doing that. No, I don't mean either. I didn't do that for long. But I'm just saying that I remember them telling me get into coaching and go full time. That to me was like stabbing. So how the fuck am I gonna go full time? I'm like I have no money. And then one of the realtors there, she told me, "Well, save your shit up," because one of my biggest regrets was not going full time early on. Right? Because she said, "What were you doing? What were you doing?" I had a shitty job as an executive assistant, like kind of like part time here, just in the meanwhile. And I had savings, right? So I had savings for like six months. So I went in literally full time, full time, full time. And I think that when you're at a point where you have no choice to make money and you have no choice because, and when you have a kid too, you look at your kid and you're like, I have to feed that child, right? And I'm like, if I don't make any commission money, she's not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. Like, it's all fucked up. And it that's, a, that's also a great driver, though, because you know that it's not only about you now. You have yeah. somebody else you have to take care of. So it, it, it puts it, things into a different perspective. It makes you work harder. It was. And when you have a job, you have a cushion. Mm-hmm. You don't have to work as hard. You don't have to. I know people that only became full time after a couple of years, and everyone says the same shit. Everyone's like, I should have done it earlier. Yeah, I'm very happy. I never, I never, I started full time. So how long have you been in real not long, a year and four months. Good for you, and you're still in it. Yeah. You're, you beat all odds, right? Right. We still have a long way to go. Make it beyond. I, I remember. No, I'm going to be in this full time. I'm going to be in this full time for a while. I, I'm going to get into investment. I want to be a developer. I'm uh, an investor too, by the way. That's awesome. So, tell me all about it. So, I definitely want to be. I want to get more into investment as time goes on. So, you know, I'm newer with it, so I have a lot to learn, and obviously, I'm still going through the. The struggling stage of not having closings all the time. Thank God it's been it was good. Got rookie of the year in my office. Which is, you know which what? Is rookie of the year in my office. I won rookie of the year too. Oh yeah? No way! I won rookie of the year. I still have my trophy from QW. I started off. I started real estate in May 2015, and January 2016, I I won, I won rookie of the year. Nice. And yeah. the thing is, it was all by luck. Uh, not by luck, but I had like only four transactions, but one of them was like seven percent commission. It was like a new construction thing. And I thought that that was life. That was, I'm, I'm like, oh, my life is done. I don't need to prospect. And then, like, the year after, so I made Keller less Keller Williams money. talks about that. Keller Williams. I made less money the next year. What? My first year, I did super well. My second year, I wanted to literally what kill myself, and I had to drive from work. Oh, I lost really? like, all of my Because all my deals I had fell So through. that's what Keller. This is why. Here's the thing. So we'll go into this whole thing. There are people that look to, that start out at boutique companies because they have this idea that Keller Williams doesn't have that same. No, idea. Keller Williams is the best company to start off with. Yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, I don't really care to, to go somewhere else. I understand the benefits of going somewhere else, going to Compass or or Element or whatever. I understand that. I love my office. I like the people there. And at the end of the day, I'm networking with people in other companies. Yeah, for sure. So if there needs, I'm networking with you. I'm, ne- I'm going to be networking. And I was at Element and Compass and now Allure. So I went to Element. I well, not the bunch. I went to That's Element after. I went to Element after QW because I wanted to get into. So why did you leave Element? Because Compass, Compass, were like you want. Okay, and why did you leave Compass? Um, so I wasn't gonna leave Compass. I was really happy at Compass, but a good friend of mine started a black-owned boutique brokerage company, and they're chilling it in Tampa. 
and she wanted to open her branch in Miami. And so she gave you the she gave you the. I'm in the company, but guess what? That company now, Allure in Tampa, they're on Netflix and they're number one in 54 countries. So. 54 fucking, countries? Fucking killing it in Tampa. Damn. A bunch of black women. Oh, selling, they do that show? That's right. the company I'm in now. Sell, what's it called? Selling Tampa? Selling Tampa. That's the company. Very yeah. cool. So Very my cool. girl showed up, was like, hey, I'm opening in Miami. You want to join whatever? And I said, you know what? For me, it wasn't about the name of the brand. It was about making a change in South Florida because you don't see a lot of black women in real estate. In fact, you don't see a lot of black women in things that are not ghetto. You know what I mean? Like, usually you see people in like Love and Hip Hop or like these shows or even just in general, it's just, I'm like, we're representing classy women that are different colors, different nationalities, and we're making a change in South Florida. For me, it had a bigger purpose. Okay, okay. So I wasn't gonna leave Compass, by the way. And I love Compass. I'm still very close to a lot of people at Compass. I was very happy at Compass, but for me, that was an opportunity that was more personal. Okay, and I understand there's a, there's a deep reasoning behind it. It's a deeper reasoning, and KW, by the way, which I was fine at KW, but in the market that I was in for luxury at the time, you really had to be more in a bigger name company, which I lived in Pankers at the time. I mean, Keller Williams has a huge name, but they don't necessarily have the big name of, of luxury the same exactly. way that Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you said you want to you want to tickle Kobe Carp. I just want people to burst out laughing. Kobe Carp, Sarah, Sarah Desimbel wants to tickle. He's married, Sarah. Behave. Oh my god. I'm just saying, when people are serious, I just want to make them laugh. Yeah, I understand. Imagine if you're ticklish. I am ticklish. Oh my god. You laugh. Okay, one second. I asked if he was a cop. I literally oh, had my, it's great, right? I had, I'm gonna put that. It's in the podcast room. That's it's so coming weird. out tomorrow. But you see, like cop, like it just it works. So you know, a cop, and you hear he his like I put a huge, there's like a huge face mm-hmm. on Leonardo DiCaprio's body. That's great. It's so great. funny. Yes. You said yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like what would you want to know about me that like? I mean, I got we we spoke a lot about you. No, we did. But Here's like, the thing. What I like to know about like you. recently, like because we talked about like the you can talk about recent sales. You can talk to me about anything. Really? But what would you want to know? Like, what do you think? Like, what's up? Have you killed you? anybody? I haven't. Not yet. I haven't. I've killed a couple of flies, you know. <laughs> but except for that, I haven't killed anyone. Okay. So that's very important. You're in the luxury market. No. No. You're in 2022. You have a business plan. You seem like a business plan person. What do you feel you're going to accomplish that you haven't accomplished before? For me, right? When I look at Miami, you always have the same realtors mm-hmm. on top. And I'm going to be one of those realtors on top, in the top 10. The ones that people are like, oh shit, like I have a showing with, with her. Yeah, right? you, got a lot to, you have a lot of work to do. Uh, I plan on doing that too. We have a lot of work to I do. I have a lot of work to do, but I'm getting there. Here's the thing that I noticed, and I have no hesitation saying this. There are some realtors at the top of the game here that definitely did not come from poor backgrounds. And that doesn't mean that they don't deserve the credit because they, again, they put I just think that it's not the same. Not the same because they don't have have the same drive? I mean, you you literally came from a world where you already knew the rich people. So it was easier. I still respect them because, again, they decided not to be lazy kids and just collect, collect their money, you know, their trust fund money. But, again, they have a huge leg up. So we'll talk about the Alexanders, for instance. I have an immense amount of respect for them because they still became who they became. Just because they have a, a rich father doesn't mean that they would become the number one team. True. So I still respect them for that. With that said, they came with a huge head start. Massive head start. They came in with like connections. Start, right? So no matter what they say to me, even though I don't know them, they came in with a massive head start. So sure. I understand that. I somewhat understand the hate behind it. I'm not saying that there's they, people should hate on them, and and if, they shouldn't give a shit if anyone hates on them. They're doing them. They're making tons of money. They're doing well, and I, I respect them for it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, there's no question they have head start. 
There's absolutely no question. They have the right, I had Mohammed Star. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Did you, didn't. Really, did you really not? I didn't. You sure? I literally didn't know anyone. Okay. I had to call call. I had to door knock. Well, you were in New York. You were not New York. By the way, I have a listing that's going to come on the market this week. It's somebody that I door knocked with my daughter and just threw her in 2015. And I got the listing this week. Wow. And you didn't, and you kept in touch with them for yep. this, this long? For six days. Wow. Because I used to go door knocking with my press? daughter. What's the list price? $1.15 million. Good shit. In my first. Awesome. Okay? That's somebody that, because back in the days, you know, when you go to Kino, when you're a teacher, everything goes down to go door knocking. I'm like, I can't. I don't have anyone to watch my daughter. And I would literally, I printed those flyers that I created in like Photoshop or whatever. And I would go door knocking and leave, if they weren't there, I would leave my flyer. And one of the, the guys there, he called me back and he was like, I think I'm going to sell in a couple of years. You want to come take a look at my house and whatnot. And I went and he wasn't ready and literally stayed in touch with me. And I, I stayed in touch with him for six years and I just um, I just got the listing for his house now. I'm and he's going to buy after. Nice. And people are going to tell me, oh, how'd you get that? Listen, I'm not going to tell people all of that. Like, oh, it's my connections. No, I fucking hustled and I dropped off with a, with a newborn in a fucking stroller. And I stayed in touch and I put him on campaigns and I would make the phone calls and I would send the, I would send the, the collateral and I would send the emails and he would follow me. And that's another thing that I didn't even know. He basically asked me about my daughter. I'm like, oh, my daughter. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I follow me on Facebook, like on your Facebook business page. So whatever I post on Instagram, I post to my Facebook business page. And, you know, the, the older generation, they love Facebook. And he's basically been watching me for the past six years. And he has an attachment to me. That's what's, that is what is so important about social media. That's why I, on my cold calls, I mention to my clients that I have a podcast and they love it. People it's love awesome. that. And I think that they are going to work with you because they like you. Yes. They're not going to work with you because business. of your number of sales. Because I've never it's been asked for my business. number of sales. I've never been asked like how many homes I sold in that specific area. He just really liked me. He liked my personality and he liked my hustle. And he found that my daughter was cute. Right? Okay. And six years. And it came from me door knocking six years ago. So I don't want anyone to tell me that, oh, you got this because of your connections. Because you know, no, no, no. I hustled and I really, I, and I still do the hard work. I'll cold call, I'll door knock, I'll do whatever I have to do to get a listen. What do you suggest? For people that aren't in the luxury market to get into the luxury market uh, you mentioned relationships which is number one okay. okay relationships are things that develop right so one of the things i did was that i i like to study right my thing is marketing so i'll take a step back and i'll study i'm like okay rich people people have money where do they hang out where do they work out mm -hmm. where do they eat where do they go and i'm like what do i like to do i like to work so you probably get an equinox membership that's exactly what i did when I couldn't afford, I could barely afford it. And I remember every time I would come in, like every month, I'd be like, oh my God. I don't like about Equinox how seemingly bougie it is. I like, I, I go to LA here, right here, yeah. and it's kind of more grungy. Like it's, I like when a gym isn't all fancy and posh because I want a gym where like you slam the weights my down. My thing is, I don't give a shit about that. I want my clients. Okay, well, I'm not, with all due respect, <laughs> I'm not going to a gym for real estate. I, I hear you. I should. No, but you what do I what works do? for you, though. Right, you right. do what works for me. Me, I'm like, I like to work out. I'm fucking sociable. I talk to everyone. I'm like, where can I do that while doing something I'm already doing? Right. Yeah, I just want to, when I'm in the gym, I just want to work out. Like, I don't, I, I have some buddies in the gym, for sure. I know people in the gym, but um, I don't sit there having random conversation. I like to do I, my I work. Know if I got cool, but I didn't sit there and have random conversations. I became cool with stuff. No, I'm just saying. I would work out, but then I became really nice with friends, new friends with the staff, and then the staff, people tell them everything. So if they ever need a realtor, um, yeah, for sure. So I That's started telling advice. myself, okay, if I'm going to go to Starbucks, am I going to go to Starbucks there, or am I going to go to Starbucks in Coral Gables, where if people talk to me, they most likely have more money. So what I started doing, I started just doing the things that I always do. But in, in wealthier areas. In wealthy neighborhoods. Right. So Aventura does have a lot of wealthy, but there's also people down south that do. It's, it's a very yeah, good one. It's different. You know, we have Coral Gables, Pinecrest, Brickle. You know Jonathan Vega? Ever heard of him? I think I... Is he real? He just made a podcast. He did not podcast. He just made a video called Pinecrest. It's amazing. No, he's a character. I had him on my podcast. So he's he's been in it since he's 18. I think he's 25. So figure also seven years. He's very unorthodox. He's very funny. He's a, he's a character, but he's doing he's doing well, and 
he also just relationships. He's very, he's just a really good dude. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you some of his content. I lived in That's where I lived when I was So he did this really corny. Okay, so he did this really corny music video called Pinecrest. I'll show oh, it to you. God. He's a he's a funny dude. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. So. By the way, Pinecrest, everyone thought I was my daughter's nanny. It's weird. It's it's weird. Basically, it's all men. It's very like. It's posh. It's posh. And I'm like, I'm not the nanny, I'm the mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is again what we're going into the whole judging you and you yeah. having to, you know. All the time, literally all, because I'm younger. Like I'm not like. I'm older, like I was pretty young at the time. I was 27, 27, 28. We thought I was a man, but Pinecrest is a great neighborhood because there's a lot of wealth there, and that's actually where I got my first uh, NBA player client. Wow! Wow, that's awesome. I've been. I'm really. I'm working on some big clients. God willing, it's definitely. I know that this is the right business. I can say God willing in Hebrew. Bezrat, try it. Bezrat. With close. So you guys, you're French, so you, you do a different, like, R sound. Be'ezrat Hashem. Be'ezrat Hashem. Ah, okay, got it. Be'ezrat yeah. Hashem. Yeah, and there's also... Um, Since you're group. Right, you got it, you got it. <laughs> indeed, yes, indeed. Bit of course. Bit of course, Sarah Desenor. Bit of course. Bit of course. Thank you, uh, merci. I think we're, we're good. Merci for coming on to this podcast. It's been a pleasure. What is that mean? Definitely. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, cool. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You really gave a lot of value. Thank you for the for the story. Thank you for the motivation. I hope everyone listening got a lot of value from it. You're a character. You think? <laughs> you're, a char- you're a character? Absolutely. Um, oh, my gosh. So, yes, yeah, so make sure I'm going to drop your social media. I'll get it. You know, We'll get it after the show. I'll make sure to put it. It'll actually be on the episode so people can actually see it and subscribe and follow. So guys, make sure to subscribe, smash the like button, comment, share with the friends. I trust that you'll uh, you'll promote the podcast as well. And uh, until next time. <laughs>